Yo, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades. Happy Thursday to you. Happy Thursday to me. On Monday, the Pontifical Academy for Life, a misnamed institution in the Roman Catholic Curia at this point, made a statement through its president, who is Vincenzo Paglia, and he said that the moral question dogmatically defined of contraception and its illicity requires continued reflection. And he also went on to say that it requires, because it requires continued reflection, it requires continued study. So, an issue that has been long closed, dogmatically defined, Casti Canubi is the encyclical which dogmatically defined it. The matter of contraception being completely closed off to Roman Catholics. It requires continued reflection. Doesn't this sound exactly like my characterization in the very last episode of Rules for Retrogrades, of how the heretical pontiff does business. He says, I'm going to reflect on this set issue. I'm going to study this set issue as long as I reflect upon it. And even though it's set, it may change. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It may change. That's what the Pontifical Academy for Life, through its president, Vincenzo Paglia, repeated on Monday. And I, I was doing another show and planning another show, so I didn't have time to do it. I'm no longer in the rat race involved by trying to be first. Did some of that the first year that I was on YouTube, on Marshall's channel. I just don't want to do that anymore. I want to be thorough. I want to give you a an academic Aristotomist philosopher's conception of these things. So sometimes they'll take a little extra time. And straightforwardly, this now vindicates my charge against Francis's Vatican, which goes like this. Issues that are fixed, like the proscription against contraception, the proscription against artificial conception. This is another thing that Paglia mentioned. I don't know what's next. Murder. These things, even though they're set, and they've always been set by Roman Catholic teaching over the last 2,000 years, and more than that, these are elements of the natural law. They're older than Catholic teaching. They are teachings that communicate themselves directly to human natural reason. So Homer and Hesiod, a thousand years before the Roman Catholic Church, were available to receive them. Well, these now might be available to change, susceptible of change, insofar as they require continued reflection. Once again, Francis's revolution continues. This is that fifth or sixth Sankt Gallen Mafia agenda item, contraception, artificial contraception. It goes back 50 years to Pope Paul VI in Humanae Vitae, letting down his fellow travelers on the Catholic left by saying, "I, we can't do it. It's always been the teaching. We can't open up artificial contraception, even to married couples, which immediately initiated a response by the Catholic left. Dissenters, particularly in Catholic Canada and America, responded. We knew, I knew, and I said in my prediction for a 2024 show, there might be a play on contraception because it's always out there as one of the sex issues, the five or six sex issues 
that are really, really important to Sankt Gallen Mafia dissenter types. I hadn't heard much aside from the 2022 statement that Paglia released that's covered by this article on LifeSite News that I'll be using today in my coverage and analysis. First, I want to encourage you. We're almost at that 50,000 subscribers mark. It makes more difference than you can ever know. I'm borrowing against uh, a, a YouTube subscription channel that I watch called Film Stocked. You probably can actually guess how much it means to me. We want to hit, make this 50,000 subscriber show. You're going to be able to call in. Well, I know people jump off board just to be a pain in the neck before people meet their subscription goals. That's not nice. That's not nice. Everyone, if you haven't subscribed, subscribe now. Or if you have a work computer, subscribe there. You can really help us make it. 50,000 subs, as soon as we cross it, the next time it's light outside, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, we will run and do our 50,000 subscriber show. We have a big show planned. I've been waiting to reveal some, some big 2024 plans, and I've been waiting for that show. I thought it would happen a week to two weeks ago. Subscribe, like, click the notification bell to this channel today. Rules for retrogrades. As always, we need subscribers. Don't be the silent minority who just watches without subscribing. Also, if you want to support the channel, Locals and Subscribestar are the way to do it. And we do need help. And if you want to donate to me and my family and our day-to-day, -day, go to timothyjgordon.com. If you want to help yourself, go to realestateforlife.org. Get out of your blue state, get to your red state, the nearest red state, the red state of your choice, because the general election looms around the corner and not only its results, but the run up to it will bring big, violent figurings and doings from the globalist left, who now runs this country. I'm afraid they now run the administrative arm of the church as well. And the proof is in life policies. Literally, it doesn't get any stranger than an institution within the Roman Catholic Curia, by and for Roman Catholic Curia, called the Pontifical Academy for Life to fight against abortion and euthanasia, which is regularly inviting pro-abortionists like Emma Bonino, leading abortionist in Europe, to give speeches and it's turned against the Catholic teaching on the death penalty, as has Francis. Francis has contradicted the gospel on the death penalty. And it's contradicting Catholic teaching on artificial contraception and artificial insemination as well. I called it artificial conception earlier. Artificial insemination. So... It's not like a Pontifical Academy for life. It's like a Pontifical Academy against the Roman Catholic teaching on life. And literally anything that you can conceive of, parish orphans and retrogrades, as a life issue, Francis has flipped upside down. In 2004, Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger, as CDF, in his last year as number two in the church, the next year he would become the number one in the church, of course, as Pope Benedict XVI, reaffirmed this in a CDF statement, saying, life issues such as abortion and euthanasia do not submit themselves to dissent against the teaching of the popes, the teaching of the popes, one teaching many popes. Malaman say, to get an abortion, malum in se, to commit an act of euthanasia. But, Ratzinger clarified, the teaching of the popes for 2,000 years has been that in practical matters that are non-categorical, contingent evils, which are, in other cases, contingent goods, such as the application of the death penalty or war, one can, without pain of mortal sin, disagree with the Holy Father or Holy Fathers. 
This means if you don't favor the death penalty, no sweat, because you're not the agent of the state who is impressed upon to commit it. Unless you're like a, an executioner or something like that. We don't really have executioners anymore. You're not the masked axe man. So it doesn't really matter. You can just say, I don't like this. The gospel clarifies a hundred times over. The, de- the death penalty is an affirmative good. It's held by the prerogative of the state. Jesus says it directly to Pontius Pilate himself. What power you have over me, he's referring to the power to put him to death, comes directly to you from my Father in heaven. God gives something called the prerogative, the power to kill to just rulers. Jesus makes this very clear, and St. Paul says it time and time again. The Old Testament says it time and time again. Francis has subverted that teaching and said the logic of the gospel requires that the gospel was wrong. Well, that can never happen. So he subverted, flipped upside down that teaching. Evidently, he seems to be flipping upside down the teaching on abortion because he hangs out with Emma Bonino and Jeffrey Sachs, who are wildly pro-abortion. But this does not seem to be a pressing agenda item because every once in a while, a few times a year, Francis will say the Catholic Orthodox position on abortion. It's shocking. It's shocking he does, but remember the agenda, the Skittles agenda, which runs the other sex issues in Catholic social teaching currently in this pontificate, the Skittles agenda, Lavender Mafia, they don't care about abortion one way or the other. They care about heterosexual divorce and remarriage because it's seen as the linchpin in reifying a recreational sexual activity within a monogamous couple. And you just extend that, you're one degree of separation away from extending that to Skittles couples, SS unions. And that's what Francis has done. So abortion, he he doesn't really care about the people he represents, his stakeholders, Francis's, don't really care about abortion. But death penalty, he's subverted. The teaching on SS unions, he recently subverted in fiducia supplicants. The teaching on, it, we're going to talk about this in the Pontifical Academy for Life. The big issue that counts toward the linchpin of recreationalizing sexual activity within and among couples is contraceptive sex. That's why the uh, Lavender Mafia... The stakeholders in this Francis pontificate care about it so much. That's why they've cared about it so much since Paul VI pontificate, at least. They don't care about making life a little easier for married heterosexual couples who are like, We're, we have seven kids. Other pregnancies might or might not be dangerous. We'd rather not take the risk. They don't care about those people. Those who, who break faith with themselves and with the church through having contraceptive marital sex, their lives could be greatly eased by changing the teaching. Well, Francis and his cronies don't apparently—I'll justify all of this. I'll prove my math to you as I read this LifeSide article, but I'm just stating at the outset, I'm submitting to you a thesis. They don't seem to care about those— like uh, who might or might not break faith with Jesus, with the natural law, by within a heterosexual Catholic marriage, orthodox in all other ways, contracepting artificially. Because maybe they have a lot of kids. I mean, I have seven kids. That's not a ton, but that's that's more than that's more than most people out there. And I've never claimed it. The first part of my marriage before I was fully back in the church again, uh, this is one of those mistakes that goes on my record. I, I did use contraception and, and repent for it, right? And that was before I was back in the faith. So that's, that's illicit. No excuses. The radicals in the church in the 60s and 70s wanted to change it. 
Paul VI, who was seen as a fellow traveler of these radicals in, what was it, 1977, released Humanae Vitae, disappointed his stakeholders. Francis seems to be making good on all the promises that Paul VI underwhelmed his stakeholders with. So that's, this is, you know, one of, one of the agenda items. They all, except for one of the communion issues, all of the Gaulin agenda items that Cardinal Walter Brandmuller, one of the good guys, said Pope Francis, well, what was, what it was emplaced to change seemed to be on the chessboard as moving pieces. The first one, Communion for the Divorced and Civilly Remarried. Check. Got that done in 2016. Second or third, we're very pro-body. And female deacons, those are on the agenda for, but by, by the Vatican's own admission, for October 2024. Very pro-body. They only mentioned it like once or twice at the October 23 Synod. But those are going to be mentioned. Those are going to be discussed. Those are under review. For October 2024. Intercommunion with Lutherans. This we haven't heard much about. It Now, it was on the 2022 worldwide discussion at the diocesan level of the Synod on Synodality. Haven't heard much about it since then. Intercommunion with Lutherans, which is practiced in the German Catholic Church, by the way. This is the least pressed one. It's the most radical. And the Lavender Mafia seems to care about it the least. But the fifth agenda item, the, the silent one, they don't always return to. Well, there are two more. There's SS unions. Francis took care of that. Check. That's the fifth one. Took care of that right before Christmas. Fiducia supplicants. He made good on that promise to the anti-Catholic Catholics a couple months ago, almost two months ago. Check. And the sixth one that doesn't get talked about that often that I, that I had an inkling, I had an intuition would happen. That's why it figured into my prediction show. This number six item is legalizing artificial contraception. And there was an update on it in 2022, but there's not as much saber-rattling there as there is with female deacons or very pro-body. Here's the LifeSite article. It was up on just yesterday, Valentine's Day, by the way, uh, solemn and somber, but eudaimonian happy Lent to you all, now that we're in the second day of Lent. The article up on LifeSite reads... In its title, Pontifical Academy for Life President claims Catholic moral teaching requires continued reflection. I told you Francis does this. The name of it in the Western tradition is sophistry. Socrates, Plato, Aristotle arose on the Athenian scene, especially Socrates, the first one appeared in the agora where business was done, commerce, conversations was done, the marketplace of Athens in the middle, around 20, you know, 400 years ago, in order to arise against the lying sophists. The sophists were kind of like law professors that for, for pay would be commissioned to teach the sons of aristocrats that they could make the argument A, look and seem true, or a prime, it's opposite. They could do either, using a kind of rhetorical relativism. They claim to be able to teach the sons of aristocrats to make a seem to be the truth or a prime. Now, sophistry is, at essence, what's going on with the study commissions of the Francis Pontificate. And I told you that because in 24... Now, the Pope's planers don't know this or they don't care about it, but in 2014 and 2015, during the two synods then, the twin synods on the family, Francis 
would say, look, I'm not going to change the timeless teaching. What do you think I am, crazy? He said this 10 times. I'm not going to teach. I'm not going to change the teaching against communion for remarried adulterers. And they can't do that. He would say this. But I do want to commission some, some study groups. I do want to reflect on it a little bit more to see what, you know, what, if anything, can change. That's all. That sounds pretty reasonable, unless you take an overview. If you get sucked into the weeds of relativistic reasoning like this, which Francis is apparently good at sucking people into such modes of thought, then you, you, could, you could get sucked into it. This is why I understand a lot of Pope Splainers, particularly in the first half of this pontificate. Unless you just say, no, I'm going to stick with my overview. There is absolutely no reason why we should enact a study commission on is the sky blue on cloudless days? Should we enact study commissions on whether or not lions are carnivores or herbivores? How about a study commission on whether or not eating McDonald's is ill for your health. Why waste time and resources on nothing to ascertain no new value or no new shienter? And Francis's true answer is, well, I don't do that. I commission study commissions in order to dull the wits of the faithful. And I publish it, and I say, it's a study commission, don't worry, I'm not going to change it. Every six months I'll float, well, maybe there is going to be some change. Get them arguing for a month, the way we argue online. He knows how to use the internet well. Everyone gets sick of the argument. We did this with fiducia supplicants. Everyone's done with it. Everyone's sick of it. And dumb people and midwits go back to, okay, I just can't, I can't argue about that anymore. He, it's ideological weariness that's being militarized against the faithful because middling intellects i don't know what it is about the middle intellects they can't they won't abide the sustained argument against a position even if it's an easy win for them even if it's a slam dunk they're just like, we already talked about this. I can't do this anymore. Like, just let Francis do what he wants to do. That's the purpose of the study commissions. And when he first rolls it out, it just sounds reasonable. It sounds like, look, he's going to change whatever's susceptible of change. He's not going to change what's not susceptible of change. You know, he's the Pope. I'm not. Like, what, what, am, what do you expect me to do? I can, there's nothing more I can do. Well, what I expect people to say is, no, the study commissions are just sophistry. Responding to questions from LifeSite News, Archbishop Vincenzo Paglia tried to distance himself from previous statements regarding the church changing its teaching on contraception. And yes, I know, you really say his name is Paglia. Paglia. We're American, we say Paglia. Here's, here's the first few paragraphs. Article up yesterday. Responding to LifeSite News questioning on his previous statements supporting contraception, from 2022, the president of the Pontifical Academy for Life, in Italian, this is V for, for life vita, so it's P-A-V, disputed the claim, but added that the church's moral teaching requires continued reflection. Speaking at a press conference on the sidelines of the PAV's assembly on Monday, Archbishop Vincenzo Paglia outlined part of his view regarding Catholic morality with regard to contraception. LifeSite News asked the PAV president if he still held to the views expressed in 2022 interview, whereupon he stated he, quote, believes the day will come when Pope Francis or one of his successors would issue a document on moral issues in line with the PAV's recently published book, came out last year, which opened the door to permitting contraception. Pause. Why wouldn't Francis do this? He got away with the greatest heist in the history of the church, giving communion, which requires 
someone to be in a state of grace. Two, unrepentant committers of adultery. I mean, they might say they feel bad, but ones who say, I'm going to keep committing adultery every day, which is a very mortal sin. Sixth commandment, right? Give them communion. Okay, this destroys almost everything that the sacrament of communion stands for. He did it almost, you know, eight years ago now, seven and a half years ago. There's, and it's, it's kind of in the rearview mirror, but no one's storming the Vatican. I'm not saying they should. I'm just saying we're living in the shadow of that winter palace. The old monument was torn down. The new monument is, I don't know what it means. You ever see the movie The Others with Nicole Kidman? It's a it's a kind of kind of anti-religious, anti-Christian movie, but not bad. At the end, once she realizes ghosts are real, I won't tell you how or why. She just says, I don't know. I don't know what this does to my understanding before of heaven and hell. No, I'm not I ain't going that far. Of course not. I'm a believing Roman Catholic. I don't know what it does to our understanding of the Catholic magisterium. I know the basics of fundamental dogmatic theology are true. I know there's God and the devil, heaven and hell. I know the Christian God's true. I know Roman Catholicism is the only fully true form of Christianity. I don't understand how much error the Roman Catholic magisterium can abide. I don't. And you know who else doesn't? All the smart theologians I've talked to on this. Now, there are a lot of dumb theologians. It's not... As a discipline of study, it tends to attract a lot of midwits. I'm just going to say it. But the really smart ones, the really, really smart ones, like my friend Dr. Mike Cirilla... I, I'm not trying to speak for him, but every time I talk to him, he, he's like, yeah, who, who, we have to be epistemically humble. I, I, you know, I like that. I like that. He's always saying that. Yeah, I like the epistemic humility thing. Not about God, not about heaven and hell, not about Jesus, not about is the church the, the true way, but I don't know what it means that the old monument of communion has been torn down. You have to be in a state of sanctifying grace to receive it. You no longer do. You just don't, I mean, according to Pope number 266, if he is Pope, for the time being, unless we have some sort of cadaver synod, which would make things really clear and easy again, and my, my objection would be withdrawn, I don't know, and neither do you. And the, the smartest theologians you could talk to, the smartest man in the world wouldn't know. I don't know what this means about papal magisterium. I just don't. And same thing, pace the death penalty, by the way. I don't see how any pope, number one, number eight, number 67, number 152, number 266, can flip-flop on a clear teaching in the gospel. The gospel clearly teaches the death penalty is an affirmative good. And say... Well, the logic of the gospel is that the gospel before 20, whatever it was, 2018, catechism revision, the logic of the gospel is that the gospel was wrong. All I know as an academic philosopher, not as an academic theologian, because that I am not, is that such flip-flops are not possible. One side's got to give. So... That, that's all I'm, I'm willing to say. That's all I'm willing to say. Same thing with regard to what Francis wants to do with contraception, what he has. A, it's a little bit less bold in its lettering in fiducia supplicants than what he did with communion for the divorce and civilly remarried, what he might do with contraception. He already did do it, remember, in February of 2016 with Zika virus, but that's not like a a teaching that was just him saying clearly he thinks saying clearly announcing that if you're in danger of zika virus you can use condoms if you were in south america at the time now, that's not the same thing as a new document 
allegedly, there might be a new document in the offing. A new document. Let me read. He said about his 2022 statement that Francis is probably going to change the contraceptive teaching. This is the, the president in charge of the PAV, put there by Francis. On this interview, I don't think I said as you have, Paglia responded. Paglia's 2022 interview comments came in light of the highly controversial and much contested book, The Theological Ethics of Life, born out of a previous PAV assembly that proposes both contraception and artificial insemination as morally acceptable. Again, principle of non-contradiction. Shortly thereafter, Jesuit-run La Civilta Catolica, notable for having its content reviewed by the Vatican Secretariat of State before publication, summarized and promoted the PAV's book, asking in light of the text if Francis might soon issue, quote, a new encyclical or apostolic exhortation on bioethics that might be called Gaudium Vitae. Francis has done this before. Have a group or groups even name a document that he might be secretly working on so it's not so secret, is it? That's strange. It's only strange, friends, parish orphans, retrogrades, if you think that this is a normal pontificate, that there's anything ordinary with what's going on with Francis. There's, it's not, okay? I mean, I'm not suggesting that it hasn't been strange almost every single day, but at least every week over the last 11 years to a Roman Catholic. No, it's been strange. But as Dostoevsky once wrote, man, the scoundrel gets used to everything. I'm, we're used to the strangeness now. It would be strange for it not to be strange at a certain point. Or it would be strange for a, a Roman Catholic like a Pope's planner to wake up one day and it, like a light switch suddenly get it. That would be strange. To me now, I think it's weird if Pope Francis says, like I mentioned earlier, occasionally he'll say, like, abortion's wrong. Occasionally he'll say that the, the T in L-M-N-O-T is wrong, is demonic. And you're like, wait, what? Why would you, why would you say that? Well, it, it's part of the trickery. And for some reason it works, too. All the morons out there who, wanna, who have the will to Pope's plane will go, See, he said it once. He, he also said he's not doing communion for the divorce and civilly remarried. Within six months of the document enabling communion for the divorce and civilly remarried. Quote, Gaudium Vitae might be, according to La Civilta Catolica, the name of the Francis revolutionary document that it will have some ambiguity. All the morons out there are going to be barking at each other about it that, that might revolutionize condoms after these study commissions. Paglia agreed with this suggestion when speaking to the tablet in autumn 22. He told the tablet that the, quote, whole architecture of the ethical dimension of life, end quote, must be developed. As an example of the change he meant, Paglia referred to Pope Francis's controversial declaration that the death penalty is, quote, contrary to the gospel. A statement the Pope has since often repeated, even changing the catechism of the Catholic Church to state that the death penalty is inadmissible, despite Catholic teaching and sacred scripture affirming the moral permissibility of the death penalty. This simply is not arguable. The death penalty is called good in the Bible several times. Jesus says the state holds the power to kill its prisoners. Jesus says that this power comes from God. St. Paul, citing the Old Testament scripture that the sword shall not be held in vain, says it's good. It is not questionable that scripture calls the death penalty good and says it's part of the natural law 
that the state can kill guilty accused. This is another one of these ones like there are several of them. Not like fiducious supplicants. There's enough to argue there that just it's dumb to argue it. We know what he's doing with it, but it's one of the more unarguable ones. Kind of like communion for the divorced and civilly remarried. After Morris Letizia, it was like, you know what he's doing. There's ambiguity there. Five and a half months later, he took it beyond all doubt. Now, Pope's planners just won't talk about the AAS reification of communion for the divorced and civilly remarried. Before they wanted to kind of argue it and get into all the BS cope about chapter eight in Amoris Laetitia, in September, once he said this document means exactly what the renegades in the church say it means, now it's you just don't hear from them on it. It's not arguable. There's no case to be made that it's orthodox. It's outright material heresy. No one can argue against it. And it's just, it is what it is. And Anyone I've ever challenged to come on here, Michael Lofton himself, come on, let's talk about uh, Amoris Laetitia. The only correct interpretation is the Argentine bishop's interpretation. He just said, no, I, I no, he went dark. I talked to those friends of Lofton that I was recently mentioning. No, they, they have nothing to say there. There's no defense for it. It's not, there, there can't be. I could have Bobby Fisher. I could have the craftiest chessmen in the world. And they can't, you can't make yes into no or no into yes, particularly when your interlocutor is crafty here with no false modesty. But it doesn't take craftiness. You could have John Vianney, who is not known for his craftiness, and just Jesus said, let your yes mean yes, your no mean no. Moral philosophy, moral theology is not supposed to be one of the challenges. It's supposed to be basic enough for everyone to get. Well, the death penalty is like that too. And Paglia is out there saying, yeah, Francis reversed the death penalty teaching just like he reversed communion for adulterers. He can do what he wants. He can do contraception. And idiots out there will say, no, maybe he can't. <laughs> I don't get you guys if you're, if you're one of those ones that say Francis can't. Now, I don't know ontologically if it will actually be reversed in God's eyes and, you know, whether it, it might suggest that Francis really is going to be deposed posthumously. Now that there, there you could convince me, but in terms of whether or not his lawfare in the church, his ecclesial lawfare will or will not be accepted peacefully, peaceably after this document that might or might not be called Gaudium Vitae, but we'll take it. We'll take it on the chin. We'll take anything, man. We let adulterers who swore publicly never to get a divorce. Divorce? Remarry, go start having sex with someone new that makes them feel Twitter-pated. And then go to communion in front of everybody. Oh, look, there's Jim and his, uh, that's Jim and his hoe. Jim and Betsy. They're cute. They're taking the Lord's body and blood and soul and divinity into their bodies, even though they're eating and drinking their own damnation, and we're sitting here watching it because the Pope guaranteed they can do that. If you've been married to more than one person, do not receive the Eucharist. I know Pope Francis says you can, but you can't. He reversed the death penalty, too. Paglia agreed with this suggestion when speaking to the tablet in August, uh, sorry, autumn 22. He told the tablet that the whole architecture of the ethical dimension of life must be developed. That means reversed. I know, I know people that are kind of in the middle ideologically say there's such development that's not a reversal, but that's not what anyone's interested in. Yes. Legitimate development, no one's going to argue about. We're arguing about when it means reversal, and here it means reversal. Everything else is an intellectual turd. As an example of the change he meant, Paglia referenced Pope Francis' controversial declaration, the death penalty is contrary to the gospel. Sorry to reread this. I just thought it was important. Statement is that the Pope has since often repeated, even changing the catechism, the state that the death penalty is inadmissible despite Catholic teaching and sacred scripture affirming the moral permissibility of the death penalty. 
Expanding on his answer to LifeSite News on Monday, Paglia referred to the baseline that gave rise to the theological ethics of life, which has just been published under the title Gaudium Vitae, or The Joy of Life. The new text, Paglia said, is about looking at the teaching of morality under the view of the development of the church's tradition because this has taken place continuously. He's just saying there is no set moral teaching. It can change if the Pope wants to change it. That's what he's saying. That's all it means. Paulia presented an example of an alleged change in church teaching on contraception, attesting that there was a change in position between Pius XI and Pius XII on the prohibition of the use of natural methods to lessen the likelihood of conceiving. Now, this is important. This is a, Okay, so a lot of this is just Pope Francis is going to do some new revolution. You guys won't follow him, parish orphans and retrogrades, because you know better. I don't listen to the Pope. I want to go to heaven, right? And in, in, in areas where it's permissive, not mandatory to not listen to him. Yeah, I'm not going to get a divorce from my wife first. And then if I did, which I'm not ever going to, you think, you reason, well, then I wouldn't get remarried. And if I did, then I wouldn't go accept number three, the Eucharist. Okay, that's fine. But now this issue... This lie that Paglia has repeated about the supposed disparity between the points of view of Pius XI and twelve on the prohibition of the use of natural methods that don't violate the natural law to lessen the likelihood of conceiving. LifeSite does a dynamite job, and I do always praise LifeSite News, of calling out the lie. Paglia argued that Pius twelve was more permissive in allowing natural practices to avoid the probability, high probability of pregnancy, while Pius XI had banned them, saying that the alleged change demonstrated the understanding of contraception had deepened. He said this. I remember when he said this. I think he said it in 22. This is a lie. The church has never, ever, 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 ever in any of its pontiffs claimed that artificial contraception as a genus includes the species of those acts which involve the use of natural methods lessening the likelihood of conceiving. Natural, you cannot violate the natural law. This is just basic action theory. You can't violate the natural law if you use natural methods of conceiving with the, with the three fonts of uh, licit marital sex, unitive, procreative, in marriage, you can't violate the natural law. Pius XI and twelve agreed, because Pius XII repeated one little cautionary line of Pius XI. He said, look, we're going to have to reconsider. L let's take as a uh, hypo, the way we do in law school, a test case, a couple that gets married, they, they always have um, natural sex, meaning you, you check all three bars. It's unitive, it's procreative, it's in marriage, no premarital. It's open to life, but it's mostly on less fertile days. Any day is technically fertile in the cycle. On less fertile days. And the couple never has kids. Pius XI said, we're going to have to kind of look at those people again. Technically, without a culpable actus reus, it doesn't matter what the mens rea is, even if it looks like a culpable mens rea. Without a guilty act, without a violation, you can't have a sin just by having a, an otherwise culpable mens rea. So Pius XI never expressed a categorical concern over this, even though he said, there's got to be something disordered or, or sinful in the attitudes of this couple. But moral theology is 
not actually equipped to categorize what that couple, what kind of fault they would be engaged in. This is a technical action theory problem. And Pius XII repeated those words by Pius XI. But one thing that neither Pius XI or Pius XII ever would say or could say is that that kind of what you, a lot of you guys call this NFP. It doesn't actually, it's a term that doesn't have a meaning. But NFP does not violate the natural law. Not all sin violates the natural law. Some sin violates the supernatural law without violating the natural law. Natural law is ba- it's basically a question of knowability. Would this have been knowable to Homer, Hesiod, Aristotle, Plato before Jesus came and laid down the natural law? Uh, the supernatural law, the new covenant. I mean, then there's more complexities involved by the overlap of natural and supernatural law, but it's, it's, you have to understand it deeply, and almost no Catholics do. And that's not really what I'm trying to do. All I'm saying is, Palia literally lied, or at least just defamed himself through, through vile error by saying that there was any daylight between Pius XI and Pius XII on what you call NFP. Nor, nor could there be, right? He said, the alleged change demonstrated the understanding of contraception had deepened. One, that might be, a, a, the attitude might be sinful. It might even be mortally sinful of this hypothetical couple that always uses NFP never to have any kid. There might, there might be a mortal sin, but it would be a mental mortal sin. It would not be in the act itself. It couldn't be. The act itself by definition, does not violate the natural law. So it's possible, but Pius 11 and 12 both said, we'd have to kind of look again at that case. This is, this is a legitimate usage, by the way, of what the foro interno ought to be thought to exist for. Not to lessen, to make more lenient culpability, but to be more stringent, to say, well, you're not violating the natural law if you use NFP all the time and you've been married 30 years and you have no kids. But your bishop or your confessor should get together with you or maybe you, your wife, your bishop, and your confessor and say, look, there's probably something mortally sinful in you using this otherwise licit act all the time. It's there. You're following the rules but you're not following the rules in such a way that reflects a well-ordered conscience. And that there are other instances where you can do this. But there is not a category where this is wrong. It doesn't violate the natural law. 11 taught that, 12 taught that. No development whatsoever. And even if there's a sin there, a mental sin that is mortal, that 11 and 12 are concerned about, it's not called contraception lessening the probability of conception by the timing method is not contraception. It's not artificial contraception. This is like calling um, having a, a hysterectomy for a cancerous uterus when a baby's inside a direct abortion. It's not. It's, not, it's, an, it's, it's technically illicit, and it's at most an indirect abortion. Just take it from this action theorist. Yeah, I don't recommend doing that. Sacrifice yourself, like St. John Amola, if, if you can, but it's not mandatory. So these moral teachings, in my opinion, says Paulia, require continued reflection. He's analogizing, using artificial contraception, never in no cases can you do it, to something that you can always do lessen the chance of conception through the timing method by following all the rules just by selective timing. He's implying that there is some development between Pope Pius XI and Pope Pius XII, which is false. LifeSite corrects it in a second. Even if there was some development there, that would be a more organic development, though it's, it's hypothetical anyway because not true. But it's nothing like a malum in se, which violates the natural law, contraception does, and it's never, ever, ever listen. 
In fact, he goes on, it's not just a matter of, as you say, resolving some issues. The issue is to understand more passionately, more clearly, more strongly the behavior in respect to the inspiration of Scripture, tradition, and also the magisterium. Here's LifeSite News really tersely and satisfyingly rebutting his bald-faced error, Paulius. We'll call it an error rather than a lie, but I'm assuming in this case he's actually lying. As LifeSite News has previously presented, the Catholic prohibition on artificial contraception has remained constant. Nor did Pius XI ban the use of natural methods as Paulia attested. He never did. I've looked into this countless times because this is one of those issues. A lot of so-called trads are just bald-facedly erroneous on. They're just wrong. Eleven never said this. Section 59 of Pius XI's Casti Canubi, same same thing, uh, uh, papal encyclical by Pius XI, that is considered to have some infallible parts against artificial contraception, notes that couples are not considered as acting against nature who in the married state use their right in the proper manner, although on account of natural reasons, either of time or of certain defects, new life cannot be brought forth. Do I need to reread that for everyone? Because people do ask me about, don't they, Steph? They ask us an email about something they call NFP. And NFP is not a a quidditative substance. What they mean when they say NFP is literally just this. A husband and a wife having unitive procreative sex that is to say, licit sex, sex that does not violate the natural law, um, selectively timed, either in a woman's 100% infertile period, like pregnancy. That's the only time she's ever 100% infertile. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not a OB-GYN. But that's the only time it's 100% is like if a woman's pregnant. And 17th century Catholic um, moral theology and moral philosophy just started saying, no, this is, there are theologians that thought it was bad, and it's not. And the popes ever since the 17th century have strongly favored, it was never decided by the magisterium, they've strongly favored the permissive interpretation. You can have marital intercourse when the wife and future mother is pregnant. It does not violate the natural law, and it doesn't violate a supernatural law in Scripture either. Um, or or uh, on account of natural reasons, either of time. So timing, if you look at a, a, a woman's cycle, selective timing of licit relations straightforwardly does not bring the likelihood of conception to zero. It's zero percent if a a man and his wife engage in marital relations, you know, in month two of pregnancy. There is zero percent chance of pregnancy, of additional pregnancy. That's the only one that's zero. Any time on the cycle when a woman's not pregnant, if if both of their reproductive systems are well-ordered, any time when you're like, oh, today's an infertile day, it's actually not. It's a less fertile day. You can go through and, and track the cycle, and it's, you know, it's an infertile day. That means it's like 2 or 3%, 4% possibility. You can always have cycle reversal, and, and you know, that could technically be a fertile day. It just has never been precedented as one, even with a super regular female cycle. But, but, that's not cope, because even when a woman is 100% not presently able to have a baby, because she's already having another baby, all of the popes following the 17th century theologians have clarified this is allowable. And Pius XI and Pius XII completely agree. There is not even a little bit of disagreement between them. Pius XII quotes Pius XI. That's how wrong Paglia is. So trads, when they're trying to be holier than 
we won't say holier than the Pope, more Catholic than the Pope. We'll say, we'll say holier than the magisterium or the natural law. They just confuse everyone and they enable liars on the radical left in the church, like Palia, to continue to lie. That's the ironic part about trads that just that that are like, I want to be extra Catholic. So I say, this is a, this is a thing. There's no such thing as NFP. There's a timing method where you lessen the probability by still following the rules. And Pius 11 and 12 agree about it. Uh, Pius the 12th, 1951, addressed to midwives, affirmed Casti Canubi from, from the previous pontificate. He cites it and also outlined the lyseity, that means you're allowed to, of the use of the matrimonial right. This means the conjugal debt, having relations with your spouse. Even during the days of natural sterility, this includes pregnancy. This is the teaching of the popes consistent with the natural law, which precedes even Jesus' incarnation. It does not violate the natural law to have relations, as long as it's within the context of marriage, unitive and procreative. You can look those up later. I don't like going here. However, Pius XII presented the warning shared by Pius XI. I thought he quoted it condemning the abuse of the perversion of the act itself, dense quote, namely contraception, along with the strongly warning against spouses who are limiting the conjugal act exclusively to those naturally sterile periods, saying that, quote, then their conduct must be examined more closely. And neither Pius eleven nor twelve were uh, action theorists, but when they say ex- examining their conscience more, uh, sorry, their conduct more closely, what they really mean are their mental acts. So there are mental acts and there are acts. Mental acts, as you know, can be mortally sinful. So th- there is a possibility of something besides a mortal sin of contraception. If a, that, that hypothetical couple that used contraception and never had kids, there is, I would be willing to wager, in keeping with Pius XII's words here, a mortal sin, a mental mortal sin, an attitude that has hardened into actual grave matter. It's a very, very safe bet, but it's different from contraception. Contraception is um, a physical act which requires an actus reus and a, a culpable mens rea. Mental acts have, uh, it gets complex. Mental acts have an actus reus that is still mental, and their intent to do it is the culpable mens rea, which is also mental. The point is that, the real point is here, I, I hope I clarified some of that, because this is really, really, really clear stuff. You should have kids, but you can, for reasons of family planning, and and overall health, which is a very lenient stipulation. Overall health of the family, meaning it doesn't just have to be you're going to die. Okay, I don't think we could be great parents if we have one kid per year and we end up with 30 kids. You know, some people can do that. A lot of people should consider, should we start with 30 kids? I mean, every Catholic couple should start. Few people can. So you're allowed to plan your family by staying within the rules. I'm not trying to trigger the Spurgs here. You got to follow the, the rules of the natural law and the supernatural commentaries of Pius 11 and 12, because they've taught about it most specifically. But within those guidelines, there is a swath of prudential um, discretion that, that the popes do absolutely preserve, which is why there's no clear teaching against it. And the teachings are, encourage us. Don't have zero kids unless, you you know, it's out of your hands. If you're a married person, don't just have one. People will have different family sizes, though. Citing the aging demographic and the decline of birthing rates, Palia told LifeSite 
that moral issues are not answerable based on individual cases, but that there isn't, which is something called situation ethics. It's a Jesuit um, soft heresy sprung up in the middle 20th century. So he's saying, well, it's not based on individual cases. That would be situation ethics, and that's pure relativism. It's a resurgence of relativism that the Jesuit, of course, the Jesuits come up with all these heresies in the middle, 20, middle late 20th century. Um, it's not that, but he says there is a need for a new vision that accompanies people's lives. He just means there's not, but there is. You can, you can do situation ethics. That's what he's saying. He talks like Francis. All of Francis's lieutenants talk like Francis. Polyus' comments to LifeSite echo his previous statements on the topic of contraception in light of the outrage by numerous Catholics about the theological ethics of life, along with those about the PAV itself. In defending the book against criticism from concerned Catholics online, PAV wrote in 2022 that theology requires progress as part of a natural process. Wow. Process theology being applied to anything is evil. Being applied to the natural law is the most evil. And it's, it's really um, what Francis was put there for, into the pontificate, by his stakeholders, the Gaulan stake. Apply process theology to moral theology. It will, if they can succeed, destroy the, the church. That's what he's there for, I believe. I, I sincerely believe this. I'm, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't see how I could be wrong with all I know. Be careful. What is dissent today can change the PAV road. This is process theology. Be careful. What is dissent today can change. This is Francis's guy, one of his main lieutenants, put there to do what he's doing. If he wasn't, he'd have been fired like Cardinal Ladaria, the outgoing CDF, who disputed Francis on fiducia supplicants. Like before him, Cardinal Mueller, the guy that previously held the CDF prefecture. He got removed for a, a few reasons. Francis will take you out. Francis will take you out if he doesn't like what you're doing. However, the Catholic Church's prohibition on artificial contraception is not an aspect of subject uh, to future modification. JP2 declared in 1988 that such teaching on the topic, quote, belongs to the permanent patrimony of the Church's moral doctrine. We didn't need JP2 to say this in 1988. It was set before that. Some five years before that, JP2 had noted how uh, many attempt, how any attempts to justify contraception were impossible and illicit. I don't even read it. It's not that interesting. We all know artificial contraception is categorically illicit. However, the PAV is no stranger to controversy regarding the Catholic Church's moral teaching. Pallia issued a call in 2019 for the PAV to widen its scope of reflection and said that Pope Francis warned the PAV, quote, that it is risky to look at human life in a way that detaches it from experience, situation ethics, and reduces it to biology or to an abstract universal, situation ethics, separated from relationships and history. That's situation ethics. The PAV has been described as being permeated by heretical Gnosticism, after it was overhauled by Francis's new statutes beginning in November 2016. Why do you think they did that? A month and a half before, Francis had affirmed what he meant with Amoris Laetitia. A month and a half before that, this is November 2016, he overhauls the new statutes of the PAV, stripping it down to the ground. Now it's going to be stand for the opposite of life. It's going to stand for death. Under the new terms, members were no longer required to sign a declaration that they uphold the church's pro-life teachings, while also expanding the PAV's mandate to include a focus on the environment. Wow. Stranger than fiction, folks. Stranger than fiction. And that's, that's our, our day. And the strange thing about being stranger than fiction is... 
each new instance of it is strange. <laughs> and you want to say it like it's brand new, but it's not. We know we're living in a specially troubled time. God bless you all. Stay strong. Stick with tradition. This doesn't mean we get to always be at our liturgy of choice, but stick with tradition wherever you can. Bold, yet faithful, Roman Catholicism is the one solution to the world because it's the one truly preserved corpus of teachings by our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Desvel. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit.